Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. I'll slow down. I'll back up. We're walking through the Gospel of Luke. This is the second Sunday in the season of Lent. Luke's Gospel makes a shift in chapter 9. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face. It's a phrase that could be translated. He was steadfast on Jerusalem. He was steadfast on all the purposes God intended for his life to save the world. Jerusalem, where the cross hung, where the grave was buried, where all we'd hoped might happen. Jesus, steadfast towards Jerusalem, goes into a church on a Sunday morning. It was actually a synagogue on a Saturday, but you'll get my point. He's he's there preaching. He's in the middle of a sermon, and he sees a woman doubled over in pain. One way of translating it, there was a woman there who had a spirit of weakness. Not that she was weak, but that the pressures and the pains and the concerns of life and the world were so overwhelming, she found herself doubled over and she simply could not stand up straight. This spirit of weakness is gender indiscriminate. Pain and anxiety and worry and concern and challenge track all of us down to bring all of us down. I was in a conversation with a friend not all that long ago. He's a guy, by the way, who spent an entire weekend day in his bed in the fetal position crying. The pain of the past and the questions about the future were more than he could handle on that day. It was courageous of him even to share it with me. And I wonder if there's any of you who had a hard time getting out of bed today. To my way of seeing things, the next several weeks and months are actually going to be pretty tough for at least some of us as cases continue, Lord willing, their precipitous decline. Or maybe not, maybe the variant's going to send them back on the rise. And hospitalizations go down too. Please, Lord, may they go down. But the concerns and the worry and the fear that have been accumulating over the last year are going to be hard to let go of. Then maybe it's I know nothing about. Something I know nothing about in your life that weighs you down, that keeps you down. Jesus steadfast to Jerusalem, Jesus on his way to the cross and the grave and to so much more steps in to a church on a Sunday morning and sees a woman doubled over in pain. He has time amidst the grand salvation story. He has time for her. And I'm going to suggest, I'm going to take her as permission to suggest to you today, he has time for you too. You who are fitting this service in between other responsibilities, you in your pajamas with your cup of coffee He has time to meet you today, so be alert, be ready, and listen to the rest of the story. Now, he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and 
just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. When he saw her, he called over to her and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. The leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which you ought to do your work. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him, saying, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for eight long years be set free on the Sabbath. When he said this, his opposition was put to shame. And the entire crowd rejoiced at all the wonderful things he was doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's, it's Luke Chapter 13, verses 10 through 17, if you want to find it, hit pause if you'd like. Find it in a Bible near you. Again, it's Luke 13, 10 through 17. Luke, one of the four gospel writers that begin the New Testament for us. Luke trying to write an account of the life and work of Jesus and its saving intention, his savings intentions for the whole world to a political leader. Of all of the things Luke could include in this account of the life and work of Jesus Christ, he includes a gathering with a crowd and an engagement with a woman who had a spirit that crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was un, quite unable to stand up straight. And, and I'm wondering if you know what that's like. Clearly, maybe not obviously physically, but do you know what it's like to be bent over? Bent over by the concerns of the world, bent over by the anxieties in your own heart, bent over by the challenges in front of you, bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. N.T. Wright, a British theologian, one of the premier biblical and theological scholars in the world today, uh, reflecting on this very passage, puts, puts it like this about the woman. She had a spirit of weakness, which probably means simply that nobody could explain medically why she had become bent double. Some today think that her disability had psychological causes. Some people probably thought so then as well. Maybe somebody had persistently abused her, verbally or physically, when she was smaller, until her twisted-up emotions communicated themselves to her body, and she found she couldn't get straight. I wonder if that's where we fit in. I wonder if that's where you fit in. Her, our twisted-up emotions communicate themselves to our bodies, and we just can't quite stand up straight. Um, it's called psychosomatic. When the worries and the concerns and the pains of the world, maybe, 
maybe the tragedy everybody knows about, or maybe the excruciating pain nobody knows about, or maybe the, the simply relentless agony that you don't want to talk about wreak their havoc on our lives. They don't just affect our hearts. They don't just mess with our spirits. They show up in our bodies, psychosomatic. We drink too much. We work too much. We stare into the endless abyss called a screen, iPod, iPad, iPhone, smart TV, Apple Watch, you name it, we do it. Stare into the endless abyss looking for something you're never going to find there. Uh, Some therapist friends of mine talk about a book I've never read. It's titled, The Body Keeps the Score. The title is worth the entire book. I was... Uh, I saw an image, an infrared, I think, image of two brains this week set side by side, one supposedly healthy brain, the other affected by trauma and stress. Trauma and stress, they work themselves out in our bodies. They will do something to us unless we do something with them. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. It's been a long year. We're we're approaching the one-year mark. Uh, March 12, 2020, when we uh, shut down to stay safe and stay home. And I hope most of you have avoided major crises. I know a few of you are engulfed in them now. But all of us, Whether you're willing to say it or not, all of us have experienced the increased anxiety, the increased stress, the increase in worry, and it will do something to us if we don't do something with it. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. Maybe N.T. Wright's got it right. Our twisted emotions communicate themselves to our body until we just can't stand up straight. Maybe... Maybe the word psychosomatic says it all. Maybe the book title has it. The body keeps the score. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. And Jesus, 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 in the middle of preaching a sermon, interrupts himself, much to my chagrin. He sees the woman bent over. He calls her over. He says to her, woman, you are set free from your ailment. He lays his hands on her and immediately she stands up straight, no longer looking down, now looking up and she begins praising God. That's what Jesus wants to do with you. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. You don't have to return to the past you can't change. You don't have to hold on to the worry and the concern and the anxiety that have been building up over the last year. Jesus wants to set you free. It may require counseling. It may need a shift in practice and habit and focus. You're going to need a community to surround you, but the intentions remain the same. You're set free. That's the gospel. About 15 years ago when I was 29, 30 years old, I attended a five-day meeting of the denomination I'm a part of called the RCA, the Reformed Church in America. It was its annual meeting called the General Synod. It was in Orange City, Iowa at Northwestern College. For five days, we sat in those meetings. We started early and we ended late in those plastic chairs in that gymnasium. We ate all of that starchy cafeteria food. I ate all of the peanut M&Ms that they kept filling in the bowl on the table in front of me. We drank all of the Diet Cokes they'd put before us. 
I ate so much I didn't really need to eat for several months when one of my pastor buddies on the third day, having sat there now for two whole days, on the third day he asked if I wanted to skip lunch and play basketball. I'd eaten so much I probably could afford to skip a lunch. And I kind of, just to be honest, if I'm, I'm going to brag a little bit, I, I know a thing or two about basketball, and I wanted to make sure my buddy, my pastor buddy knew I knew a thing or two about basketball, so I laced, laced him up that lunch hour, and we went at it. I was playing like, it was a, like Hope Calvin in the MIAA championship. It was one-to-one. I got the ball in the middle of the paint. I faked right. I, I faked left. I turned right. I went up like Kyrie Irving for a seven-foot floater. Jake Helder knows exactly what I'm talking about. I don't know if the ball went in or not because when I came down, I went down. My back snapped. I went over to the side. I was loose enough and warm enough. I stretched out a little bit. I didn't play again, but I did go back to those meetings. And I sat there in those plastic chairs, and my body seized up. Every part of my body stung. I couldn't walk. I could only really shuffle. I couldn't bend my neck enough to get into the car without crying. A friend who knew a friend was a chiropractor in the area, Darren DeYoung, the Lord bless him, invited me to his office the next day. He laid me gently, oh, be gentle. He laid me gently on his chiropractor table. He started talking about small town stuff in small town Iowa, and I did not want to hear a word of it. And then all of a sudden, wham, pop, snap. He twisted, he jerked, something happened, and I could stand up straight. That relief was, it was only about five minutes, but it was so glorious, I could cry just thinking about it now. A different day, a different person, she was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight, and Jesus called the woman over and said, woman, you are set free. Now, Darren isn't Jesus, so my pain returned, and I can still feel it on some bad days But Jesus set that woman free, and Jesus wants to set you free. He wants you to stand up straight. Whatever whatever spirit of weakness, whatever anxiety, worry, concern, challenge is crippling you over, doubling you down, Jesus wants to set you free. On the way to the cross and to the grave and to so much more to accomplish the final freedom of the whole world, he wants it true for you too, true for you now, true for you today. The story goes on. The sermon would probably be better if it ended now. The leader of the synagogue sees what's taking place and he becomes indignant. That's what it says. He was indignant that Jesus cured on the Sabbath. And he starts shouting at the crowd. Notice when that happens to you. Notice when the anxieties and the concerns and the fears of life mount up in your life. You start shouting at someone else. He starts shouting at the crowd. There are six days on which you ought to do your work. Come on those days and be cured and not on the Sabbath. This leader of the synagogue was doubled over with a different kind of spirit. The spirit I'll call the spirit of ought. There are six days on which you ought to do your work. Ought, should, must. He was doubled over by the spirit of religiosity to get it right, to keep it right, to follow the rules right. Whether it kept people down and out, it didn't matter. Just get it right. It ought to be this way. 
And Jesus, listening to the leader of the synagogue, shouting at the crowd, gets indignant himself. He says, you hypocrites. Apparently there are more than just one. You hypocrites. Jesus, frustrated, kind, tender, gentle. Jesus, frustrated by the oughts and the shoulds and the musts. You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the manger to lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath. Jesus, borrowing the same language the leader of the synagogue was using, that word ought, ought. There are six days on which your work ought to be done. The word means to tie, fasten, bind. The leader of the synagogue was bound by his need to be right, the oughts and the shoulds and the musts. And Jesus borrows the same word, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be set free on the Sabbath. The Sabbath, the day set aside to remember God made the world, new life. The day set aside to remember God delivered his people from slavery. Deliverance now, on the Sabbath, ought not this woman be set free? And the crowds rejoice, and the leader of the synagogue is put to shame. The oughts and the shoulds and the musts, it's a spirit I carry deep inside my own self. Sometimes we call it type A. That's a nice way to put it. The oughts and the shoulds and the musts, which when turned in on themselves become our way of saving ourselves. I don't need Jesus. I've got the oughts and the shoulds and the musts. I'll just do it right. I'll just be better and make sure everybody notices and make sure those who aren't doing it right feel the shame and guilt of their horrible lives. This is the way it ought to be. And Jesus doesn't want to have anything to do with it when turned in on themselves to become our way of saving ourselves. And Jesus, steadfast to the cross, steadfast to the grave, steadfast to so much more, wants to set you free. Not so that you can go on living some licentious life. Not so that I cannot stand this phrase, you do you. It's such a terrible phrase. You do Christ. You follow Christ. You belong to Christ. You go that way. Not permission for some gospel anarchy, but rather to go the way of Jesus. He set you free to follow him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Not a new set of rules to follow, but a way to be. Love your neighbor, love your enemy, so you can be free from the need to retaliate and hold bitterness and anger. You're free. Free for a life of faithfulness that doesn't become a burden you can't bear, but an invitation to all Christ meant for you to be in the, from the beginning. You're free. I think this is what the Apostle Paul was getting at in a different place in Romans when he said, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. You're free. Be free. Jesus Christ, steadfast to the cross and the grave and so much more, stops in a church on a Sunday and maybe on your drive to work today or in your living room now to set you free. Free from the anxiety and the worry and the concern that has you doubled over, free from the oughts and the shoulds and the musts of religiosity that keep you down. You're free. Free to go the way of Jesus. 
So here's what I want to do. Here's, here's how I'd like to send you off into whatever's next for your life. I want you to listen to the story again. And while you're listening, I want you to be honest with yourself. Honest with yourself about the spirit that doubles you over. Is there an anxiety? This last year has built up so much anxiety and worry and fear. Is it a spirit of weakness like that? Is it a spirit of religiosity like the leader of the synagogue? The oughts and the shoulds and the musts. I want you to be honest with yourself as you listen to the story. And remember, on this day, Jesus wants to say to you, friend, you are set free. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. And when Jesus saw her, he called over to the woman and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight. The leader of the synagogue, indignant that Jesus would cure on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which you ought to do your work. Come on those days to be cured and not on the Sabbath. And the Lord answered him saying, you hypocrites, does not each of you on on the Sabbath untie your ox or your donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath? When he said it, his opponents were put to shame. But the entire crowd rejoiced at all the wonderful things he was doing. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.